0: I was telling my group, I'm from Evansville, and in Evansville, they have completely banned all fireworks for the week. So um, usually around around uh, the 4th of July, me and my kids play a game, uh, firecracker or firearm. Firecracker or firearm. So we hear it, and we go, I think that was a gun. I think it was a gun. And then we'll hear another, pa, pa, pa. We're like, no, that's a firecracker. And then all of a sudden we'll hear, Whoo! and we're like, oh, it's a firearm, all right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, since they've banned fireworks in Vandenberg County and in Evansville, um, now we just play duck and cover, because so. it's all firearms. Well, um, hello, I'm a guest speaker. If you're a visitor here, don't worry, you only have to put up with me for this week. Um, my name is Dan, and uh, I was here last week and just had a great time, and I really felt a warm welcome from you guys, and I appreciate that. We are going to stay in the same spot this week that we were in last week. Um, same scriptures, same good stuff, and um, only, only better. The same, only better, right? Um, we just put it in a new package, no. Um, so just to bring you up to speed a little bit, there was... Uh, Aaron and there was Moses and they could burn holy fire and people grumbled against him and they said okay you bring the fire and we'll bring our fire and we'll see who God approves and God disapproved of the grumblers and the rebels and he sent out fire and he consumed them halfway it was kind of a mess and uh, from then on every time the priests would make a sacrifice on the altar they would see that God was serious and uh and, and the, he was the real deal, and it was a big deal, and um, that is really, listen to it online, you'll be like, that's not at all what he talked about. But anyway, um, this week, we are going to talk about grumblers and runners or ancient storm chasers. Ancient storm chasers. Um, all that stuff happened, and all the people grumbled, and Korah got burnt up, and the earth opened up and swallowed people. Look at the first five words up there. The next day. People haven't even moved in on the plot of land that Dathan and Abiram used to live on, which I'm sure that would be really cheap real estate. The next day. The next day, the whole community of Israelites murmured against Moses and Aaron saying, you have killed the Lord's people. You did it. They're all complaining. Before he had 250 people grumbling against him and the families of Dathan and Abiram. Now it's all the people, millions of people in the desert camping out, grumbling against Aaron and Moses. And they say, you did it. There's a, if you are in leadership of any kind, you should check out a video by, um, uh, I want to say, Henry Cloud, and it's called The Wise and the Fool and the Evil Person. That's all you get. Check that out. Um, when people grumble, when, people, when fools don't like the truth, they change the truth, and they try to change what really happened. You have killed the Lord's people. Is how they grumble. But it wasn't Moses that did it, right? It was obvious. It was obvious. The thing you gotta remember about these people is they've already grumbled to the point of failure. They have already grumbled their lives away. If you we're in number 16, if you go back to numbers 14. You see where they sent the 12 spies. The 12 spies came back. Two of them said, Yes, let's take the land. It's awesome. Ten of them said, No way, we can't do this. Grumble, murmur, complain, grumble. And then God gave them a new calling, which is really upsetting die in the wilderness. You've grumbled against me. You've refused to go into the promised land I've given you. Therefore, everybody in the whole generation, 20 years old and up, is going to die off, and then the next generation is going to take the promised land, except for Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb, you guys can go on. Everybody else, I commission you. I call you. Die. Get out of the way. Isn't it radical in God's mercy... And in God's love and tenderness and his promise, he still gave them 40 years of food and shelter and protection. Even though he rejected their entrance to the promised land, he still provided for their needs and took care of them and even dwelt among them. But their calling was die in the wilderness. So then... The next day they grumble. And God says, Moses and Aaron, scoot over. I'm going to wipe all these people out. We've had enough of this. He says this over and over again, by the way. We talked about this last week. Moses is always on his face saying, please, God, for the sake of your name, for the sake of your glory, don't wipe the people out. And God's like, scoot over a little bit. You're, you're in my line of sight here trying to take some people out, trying to take out a nation here. Do you mind? It is bad news. All right, whole different story. Let's just skip ahead a dozen centuries. Jesus of Nazareth. He was born in Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem, grew up in Nazareth. It's kind of complicated and dysfunctional. He was from Nazareth. He was a hometown boy, but nobody from Nazareth respected him he went there and they didn't want to listen to him they didn't regard him he shows up look at this this is matthew 13 they say isn't this the carpenter's son isn't this isn't his mom named mary that's a plain name his mom isn't anything special aren't his brothers james and joseph and simon juice aren't all of his sisters here with us where did he get all this i love the the net translation where did he get all this He's just walking around, wisdom, wisdom, healing, healing, wisdom, power, wisdom, healing. And they're all like, isn't he from, he's from art. What? He's a townie. Where did he get all this? What did he do? Why is he special? Jesus heals a man born blind. If you, you want to do something really exciting, read the Gospels like Jesus is a twerp trying to tick off people. And you'll find repeatedly he finds things that will specifically make the religious authorities angry and goes out of his way to do those things. Serious, you will enjoy it. Um, It's kind of like reading the book of Acts as a spy novel, but maybe we'll talk about that another day. Blow your mind. Jesus heals a man born blind. No one born blind has ever been healed of their blindness. There are stories of uh, rabbis healing uh, healing people who had had an injury that made them blind, but no one had ever healed a man born blind. And it got to such an extent that the Pharisees themselves, the rabbis taught that only the Messiah would heal a man born blind. And so Jesus goes out of his way, tracks down a man born blind and goes, and what do they want to know? Oh my goodness. They summon the man who used to be blind a second time and they said, promise before God to tell the truth. We know that this man's a sinner because he did it on the Sabbath. He broke the rules about how you're supposed to heal people. There's rules. You're supposed to work on this day, don't work on this day. And he healed a man born blind and broke the rules. And they get they get mad and they start to grumble. They had already been grumbling. They started grumbling more. All right, rewind. All right. Push the right button to rewind. Don't push the rewind button, right? (laughs) Hey, can you help me? Go back to Moses and Aaron. Thank you. We'll see what happens here. Um, In Numbers, it says that the plague broke out against the people, the people grumbled. And it, and it refers to the plague broke out. There we go. Moses and Aaron, we talked about this last week. Moses and Aaron were the barrier between God and man. The people said, don't let God talk to us directly. You, you talk to God and we'll talk to you and you talk to God. And, 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 but don't let God talk to us directly or, or something bad will happen. Moses and Aaron were the barrier. And now the people are saying... We don't want to listen to you anymore. We don't want you around. We don't want it anymore. And God said, okay. Remember what happened whenever Moses would go to the temple and meet with God? A pillar of fire would come down and rest over the tent. And that pillar of fire would stay over the tent because the pillar of fire is where God's presence is and only Moses is meeting with God. And they just said, we don't want you anymore, Moses. And God said, okay, I'm going to go meet with everybody. Here comes the fire. The fire broke out. 14,700 people died. We don't know if it was a wall of fire. We don't know if it was the the actual pillar of fire that was usually staying there, that it, it was like a fire tornado. We don't know. We know that 14,700 people died. That's a lot. The wrath of God showed up. And the people that thought that they were ready for it obviously weren't. Well, in Jesus' day, there were people that thought that they were ready for the wrath of God. And they did all kinds of good deeds. And, and they would ask Jesus. Jesus got asked this several times. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? One guy even said, I've kept all of the law perfectly. What, what else do I lack? What, what's missing? Because I've done it all. I'm perfect. Basically he said that. Well, in answering that question, Jesus gave us a lot of good stuff. He goes, the the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, uh, loving your neighbor came as an answer to that question to one person and everybody that was listening and us as we read it, right? Another time Jesus answered that question and he said, sell all you have and give it to the poor and follow me. People, what must I do to inherit eternal life? They know death is coming. They know death is coming has a a serious permanence to it. They know death is is the the end of the game, and they want to know how do we get on beyond that. They knew then, just like the grumblers knew in the book of Numbers, just like we know now, just like the sons of Korah that got burned up, that escaping wrath is no small task. It is a big deal. All right, back to Numbers. Moses and Aaron, remember where they are? They're on their faces. The fire has broken out. Moses says to Aaron, Moses says to Aaron... Take your censer, put burning coals from the altar in it, place incense in it, and go quickly into the assembly and make atonement for them. For wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. There's a couple million people in the camp. And they're all camped out. Um, They they cover as far as your eyes can see. If you've ever been to the Indy 500... There's millions and millions of people at the Indy 500. There's people as far as you can see, right? And the wrath has has gone out. The plague has begun. And Moses says, Aaron! And I think it's all yelling from here on. I really do. If you've ever been in a crisis situation, if you've ever uh, been in a house while your roof is getting ripped off during a tornado, it's all yelling, right? Aaron! Aaron! Get your incense. Get the censer. Put the burning coals from the altar in it. Place incense on it. Go quickly into the assembly and make atonement for them. How interesting. He tells Aaron, go get your censer. Go get your censer. Put incense in it. That's the whole thing that started this whole mess yesterday. right? The day before, Korah, you're not any better than us. We can, burn un- we can burn fire just like you can burn fire. Okay, bring your fire. And they touched the burning coals and they all got consumed. But not Aaron, because he can touch those things. He's got the authority to wield the incense He's got the authority to go up and get those things, put them in his censer, and go to the people and to make atonement for them. It says, take the censer, put burning coals from the altar in it, place incense on it, and go quickly into the assembly and make atonement for them. I think it's a big deal that Aaron was sent He did not go on his own. We cannot give Aaron any credit, can we? Oh, he just loved those people so much. He just thought, I just want to go save them. It wasn't his charisma. He didn't have some genetic disposition towards mercy or compassion. He was not a compassionate person. He's the fool that uh, made a golden calf and led everybody to bow down to it, folks. He doesn't have a compassionate or wise bone in his body. (laughs) We saw that. Moses had to make a second copy of the Ten Commandments because of bonehead Aaron. Somebody outside of himself, somebody with authority over him said, go. Go. He took the authority he was given, that incense, those coals. He grabbed it, he took it, and he went to the people. That same authority, the day before, burned 250 men to a crisp, burned them up. 24 hours later, it was deadly. In submission and humility and obedience, he went and he got that thing and he made atonement for the people. Let's get back to Jesus. Remember Jesus? This is really all about Jesus. Religious leaders were serious about authority. If you were a rabbi, you would be taught by another rabbi. And whenever you would come to a city and you would speak, they would say, by what authority did you learn these things? And you'd say, well, I learned from so-and-so who 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 learned from Moses. And you would take great pride in that, that you could trace your training back to Moses. Because the idea was that a rabbi would duplicate himself into a younger rabbi. And he would duplicate himself into a younger rabbi. He would duplicate himself so that when the, you would go hear a rabbi speak, you would know that he was a carbon copy of Moses. It was just like going to hear Moses talk. We kind of get this where, um, you know, people say where they get their degree from. And that gives you some authority of where it came from, right? Right. So Jesus is healing people and teaching stuff. And they say, by what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you the authority to do these things? Because Jesus is just walking around healing people, forgiving sins. Really talking some crazy stuff. He took the, the folk tales that the rabbis used to teach people and to beat people up, and he twist the ending to be like totally crazy. The, the, the whole parable, the prodigal son, Jesus didn't make that up. It was a common folktale. But the ending, Jesus totally turned on its head. Because the rabbis would teach it and say that the son came back and worked hard for his father and earned his way back to be a son. And Jesus has him throwing a party and killing the fattened calf and welcoming them in. That, it, oh It'd be like telling the three little pigs, and at the end, the wolf ate them all. I mean, it's just crazy. Whoa! It'd throw you off. That's what he did. And that's why they're so befuddled. What authority are you doing these things? Who gave you the authority to do this? Jesus says, when you lift up the Son of Man, and then you'll know that I'm him... Son of man is like a code word that Daniel talked about for the Messiah. Daniel talked about the son of man hundreds of years before Jesus came. When you lift up the son of man, you'll know that I'm he, and you'll know that I don't do anything on my own initiative. See, number one thing, they want to know who who, by whose authority, you just doing this on your own? You just think you're something? You think you're something, Aaron and Moses, that you get to burn fire and we don't? Oh, wait, sorry, getting confused. You think you're something, Jesus, that you get to teach this stuff and we don't? (laughs) I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak just what the Father has taught me. I'm not here on my own, he says. I got sent. And when you hang me up, you're going to know who sent me. One who sent me is with me right now. He's not left me alone because I always do the things that please him. I don't think that was said in a yell. You guys know about the Boba Fett rule? The Boba Fett rule, the less you talk, the tougher you are. In the original Star Wars movies, Boba Fett had a whole bunch of lines, and the actor that played Boba Fett said, you know... The more I talk, he says this to George Lucas. He says, the more I talk, the weaker I get. So could I just not have any lines at all? And I think he's only got one line in the whole movie. And that's why he's so tough. (laughs) It's the Boba Fett rule right here. You're going to hang me up, and you'll know who my authority is. When you hang me up, you'll know who my authority is. And guess what? He's with me right now. Because I always do what he wants. Jesus' authority was his life. The life he lived. The life he lived was the authority. At one point, they're not believing Jesus, and he says, look, 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 look. If you don't believe me because of anything I say, will you at least believe me because of all the stuff I've done? If you won't believe a thing I say... If you don't believe a thing I say because I talk, will you look at this guy that was born blind that I healed, and by your own teaching, you said the Messiah would be the only guy that could do that? If you don't believe me by what I say, will you remember that lady that got caught in adultery, and I said, whoever hasn't sinned, throw the first rock. And everybody left, and I was the only one that was able to throw stones, and I didn't. Just believe by my activities. Just believe by his life. You want authority? I got authority, and I will show it to you. And that's what he did. All right, remember these people in terror? Millions of people running for their lives. Um, I... I was going to put up a picture from September 11th, and then I looked at it, and I got too upset, so I didn't. But do you remember the pictures of people running away from those buildings in terror? That's what's going on here. It, it is absolute hysteria. Nothing like this has ever happened. Something kind of like it happened the day before but it was kind of a poof, and it was done. And now it is just poof, 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 poof. And the stuff is moving, and people are dying. People are getting trampled. The scary thing is, this doesn't have to stop. Because the calling on this generation, everybody age 20 and up... Is to die off. It doesn't have to stop. Aaron sat on a mountain and ate dinner in the presence of the Lord. He has seen his brother Moses make it for 40 days without eating or drinking and he just lived by the power of God. He has seen his oldest his two oldest sons die by the wrath of God when they burned unclean fire before the Lord. He watched his two oldest sons die from God's wrath. And here it is. It's broken out. Just imagine the scene. Total chaos. People running. He's got the holy fire in his hands, and he is running the opposite direction of millions of people. Everyone is running against him. Right now, physically is happening what has been happening spiritually. Spiritually, all the people were grumbling against him. All the people were mad at him. All the people were pushing against him spiritually. Now it's happening physically. They are running. They are in in terror and panic. It's easy to read stuff of the Bible and not think it's real, but it was real. There were moms looking for their kids There were old men that couldn't get up fast enough. There were people screaming. There were people that hated Aaron. And he was running and he could see them dying. And he knew the number of people that would die would be different according to how fast he ran at that fire. You think he's going to sit around and make sure he's got the incense going good? People are screaming. Most, one of the most haunting things, I've been to a Central Asian funeral. And when they bring the body out of the house, they have a whole group of women that scream and wail and mourn. It is terrifying if you're a Christian and you, and you really understand these things. Terrifying. That's what's going on. Number 1648. Aaron stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stopped. There's people screaming, clamoring, falling over each other, trampling each other, running. He is fighting to get through all of them. He is running at a tornado made of fire. Come on. He is running at it. He knows he's going to make atonement for it. He doesn't know if the atonement is in that little incense thing or if he is the atonement. He doesn't know if he's going to suffer the fate of his brothers, of his sons. He doesn't know what's going to happen to him. But in obedience, he goes running at the wrath of God, holds up that incense, and it stops. Can you imagine what it must have been like when it stopped and there's all kinds of people falling down? There's orphans crying. And Aaron is standing there, out of breath, feels like he's going to vomit. I'm sure, if you've ever run hard, he's holding that, and they all realize, oh my gosh, he is right. He is true. That guy's got authority. He stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stopped. He was the line, people. He was the line. People in front of him were corpses. People behind him were alive. He did not have time to pick and choose. He didn't have time to consider a direction. He went and he ran and he laid it down. Then Aaron returned to Moses at the entrance of the tent of meeting and the plague was stopped. He goes right back to his place of authority next to Moses. And how much you want to bet he got on his face. (laughs) If you've ever been in a prayer place where God showed up and did something, you do not boast about it. You are just like, oh my gosh, God just showed up and healed that kid. Jesus, they asked him. What is your authority? He said, look at my life. I will show you my authority by what I do. John 10, 17, this is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it back again. Aaron ran at the wrath of God, not knowing what the atonement was. He knew his authority was in that little censer. His authority was being shown by the incense that he burned. Jesus, no one takes it away from me, but I lay it down of my own free will. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it back up again. His life is the line between life and death. His life, his life that he, and I don't, I don't even mean biography, right? Right? I don't mean biography, everything he ever did. I mean the life power that is in him, his life. Aaron ran at the wrath of God, not knowing what the atonement was. Jesus ran at the wrath of God, knowing full well it was him, that he was the atonement. He ran at it fully knowing that he was not going to survive it. He knew he was dead. He knew he had to die. Check this out. He's praying and he says, The glory you gave to me, I've given to them so they may be one just as we are one. I am in them, and you, Father, are in me. This is Jesus praying that they may be completely one so that the world will know that you sent me and you've loved them just as you have loved me. That same life is in you. That same life, the same life that can run at the wrath of God to be the line of life and death for somebody... And you can run at it and not be afraid of it. You can run at it and and know that one has already given his life to the wrath of God for the wrath of God instead of you. And his life is in us. So now we don't live the same way anymore. We can't. We can't possibly live the same way anymore. Because there's this life in us that says, I'm going to be obedient to the Father and I'm not going to be afraid of the wrath of God. Well, if I'm not going to be afraid of the wrath of God, I'm not going to be afraid of those guys that are selling stuff in bags on my street corner. I'm not going to be afraid to tell my coworker, hey, what you did is wrong and God hates that in a loving way. Galatians 2.20. This is is where it all comes together here. I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Aaron didn't go do that because he had charisma or good leadership skills. He did it because he was close to the father, and the father had just implanted himself in Aaron. Aaron to show off the Father's compassion. Jesus didn't go to the cross and hang of his own free will. He did it because the Father told him. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live because of the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We no longer have to live according to fear. We no longer have to live according to logic. Does that make sense? We can just live by the life of the Father. I'm going to give you some homework, and then I'm going to pray. This week, read Philippians 2. And uh, I'm not reading it today because we don't have time, because it will tear you to shreds. If you think about Aaron and uh, how he ran, ran, well, Jesus ran after us after we grumbled against him. And he took atonement on himself. He didn't have another thing. And he died. And God loved that. God loved it. It says in Isaiah 53, he was so pleased by it. It says in Ephesians that God raised Jesus from the dead. He didn't even raise himself from the dead. He had the authority to, and even that he surrendered to the Father. Father, help us. Mold this into us and squish it out of us that we would have your life in us and that we would live it fully, unashamed, unwavering, and just trusting and humble that your life is in us every moment. Thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross for our sins, for taking that wrath when we should have taken it, and now freeing us from the wrath of God so that we never have to be afraid of any punishment or pain from you ever again but just open arms of love and an invitation to adoption into your family and salvation and eternal life forevermore. Thank you, Lord. Amen.